Well, hello and welcome back to, I guess now, episode number five of the Building a Life and Business Together podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. Uh, We are having a little bit of a laugh here because if you've been listening to these episodes in order, uh, the the funny inside joke is that as we are recording right now... (laughs) Hold on. We're covering a book. This is part four of covering said book. If you're not listening to these in order, you might need some like serious therapy. Well, there maybe that's the case. There are some people we're recording this live on Clubhouse, and I have no doubt. Uh, look, at, did you see that? You just made people leave. You questioned their sanity. <laughs> no. I question my own sanity on a regular basis. So. Uh, we are referring to the fact that this is episode number five of Building a Life in Business Together. Yes. But as we're recording this, there is no such thing as episodes one through four of this podcast yet. <laughs> but uh, that's because we've been putting it out under a different podcast up until this week. And we decided that we're not going to put it in Family from the Heart anymore. We're putting it in this podcast and I'm going to go retroactively create the first four episodes of this show after we record this fifth episode. So that's the that's the thing. That's the deal. But we're covering, we're continuing our coverage of The Big Leap. And I think for sure, I, I would be willing to say that I owe you money at this point if we do not finish chapter one today. <laughs> I like the I like the sound of this. I know you do. I'm dragging this out. <laughs> <laughs> How many tangents can I start with my husband today? Uh. Well, the good news is oh okay, well never mind. I I thought that everything kind of fit on one screen yeah. <laughs> of my thing. So I might I might be in trouble here. I did say it was a dollar, right? I <laughs> uh, amount to be discussed later. Okay. Um I'd take some chocolate. Like you could pay me in chocolate, and I would. What be kind okay. of chocolate do you want? I'm not quite certain right okay. now. But chocolate just sounds like the way to go. If you say so, I I I do. All right. So I don't even know where we are in the notes. So well, if you could give me a heads up as to where I should. Where there's a part down here that is in blue and red, and it says most <laughs> people. Gonna help me. There are many parts in blue and red. All right, scroll all the way down to the bottom and then scroll up until you find the place where it says most people think that they will feel finally feel good when they have more money, better relationships, and more creativity. Do you find that? Do you find that spot? Yeah, and let me tell you that I had scribed, I was giving us like a lot more grace than what. Okay. I thought we were farther than what we were. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, gotcha. But we will finish chapter Most one. Most people think they will finally feel good when they have more money. Better. Re- yeah, that just ain't right. If you don't feel good about yourself right now, you ain't never going to feel good about yourself. You will always find limitations or shortcomings or like. Because the, the reality is, is that at this point, um, we have to realize that if if we keep saying that if I had more money than this, well, have you or have you not ever increased the amount of money that you have? And did it actually finally make you happy? And some no, might because argue, then you might be chasing a bigger amount. Well, some might argue that maybe for a little bit it it, it comes, but that's temporary feelings. Those are temporary moods. You could, and that's the whole premise of this book. 
feel good, and have your whole life go well all of the time, regardless how much money is in the bank account, regardless of how many new clients you signed up in your business, regardless of you know everything going according to your expectations and everything happening as quickly as you think it should is regardless of how many people are absolutely in pure harmony with you and your relationships whether that be your kids or your brothers and sisters and your aunts and uncles and your parents and all the other stuff going on in life so this idea that people think, well, gosh, if everything, if all the situations and circumstances in my life would just line up the way that they're supposed to be, I'll finally be happy. And that's just a falsehood. He says that we have it the other, we have it the wrong way around. And what I have found is that if you don't feel good, if you are experiencing what's the the opposite of feeling good is is having is feeling bad and what are some of the emotions that come to mind that would be like bad feeling emotions you have any come, that come to mind to you i'm anger rage anxiety maybe rage i don't think anger is a bad emotion okay well I, i'm i didn't okay um fair enough so so that's where i'm like i i'm not sure any Emotions are bad emotions. It's what you do with them that is the it's the action that is bad, not the emotion that is bad. Um, That's that that is a good distinction. I I would have probably argued you argued with you about eight or nine months ago, but I have come to the conclusion that that that's a very accurate statement. There is no such thing as a bad emotion. Emotions. Can, can you can you review that? Like you you agreed with me? Like I, I just don't even know how to handle that. I agree with you, Stephanie. So, but yeah, that I, I do that, yeah. I, I do believe that all emotions are meant to serve us. However, there are some emotions that if we stay in them for extended periods of time, they don't serve us well. So, Correct. anger being, you know, the, don't let the sun go down on your anger. There's there's a time to be angry, but, you know, let it do its thing and don't let it overtake you. So, anger for extended periods of times may not be that great. May not not all right, and then anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, lack of self-confidence. Is, is anxiety, would you describe anxiety as an emotion? Yeah, I would. Okay. Anxiety, it, it, it's, anxiety, okay. I would say, is, is the, it's, it's right along the same That's lines what, yeah. of, of fear. Okay. But anxiety is kind of like saying, oh my gosh, what, what if this, what if that, and, and it's a lot of, I think I probably would have just called that fear. Well, yeah, fear and anxiety. I think they they're synonymous in many okay. ways. All I can see are the little animated characters from the Disney movie. Um, what was that movie? I can't remember, but the one with the emotions. Yeah, I want to watch that now. Okay, we should watch that tonight. You think so? I do. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Actually, yes. I I really want to watch that now, believing the way I believe about. Yeah. Okay. I do. Um, sorry. I forgot what you were saying. So I was just I saying. If, I asked you if anxiety. Yes. Okay. I'm with you. All right. So if we think about feeling some of the more, is it, is it okay to say negative emotions? <laughs> Fear, anxiety, worry. My, the thing is that if we get stuck in emotional states that would be defined as a lower vibrational state of mind. 
keeping you down and keeping you away from I I think it's it's actually feeling bad is and and I don't think bad is the accurate term to use here but feel not feeling positive not feeling hopeful not feeling the the positive side of the emotions if we are feeling the negative emotions I think it hinders our creativity I think it hinders our ability to heal relationships or to even uh, embrace fully the benefits and the blessings in the relationships that we have. It it, it it inhibits us. The negative emotional states inhibit us from enjoying the money or the resources or the blessings or the abundance that's already there. So, so this idea that I will feel good when I have lots of money or when I have better relationships, when I experience a creative flow state and I see that I'm creating things and I'm moving the needle forward and I'm getting results, I will finally feel better then. And my my thinking is, and, and what I think the statement in this chapter is, is that you kind of need to feel good to experience more, an, an increase in money. You need to feel good to experience better relationships. You need to feel good to experience more creativity and to take action. Well, maybe if your relationships, if you if you want them to be better, you you need to be in a. It, it could be your it could be your desire to if my relationships are better, then I'll be happy. That could be what is actually holding your relationships back. Yeah. Is is that mentality that that you know because then you're putting I feel I feel like that statement <clears throat> puts all the responsibility on another party to make that relationship better because you're you're stuck that when this relationship is better then I'll feel good then you're not putting in the work to make the relationship better that puts all of the work on the other it, That's exactly right. And it it puts it, it puts undue pressure on your money as well and money's like saying listen what are you hey i have nothing to do with your happiness buddy well i'm just money that's exactly that's exactly true i know that's exactly right because here's here is here's where i get it is no it is no one else's it is no intimate object It, it it is the responsibility of no one and nothing to make us happy but ourselves yes agreed so money can't make you happy because you have to find that within yourself. Exactly. Money will cause... Money might make things easier, and that might make you happy. Well, it won't make you happy. You could choose to be happy. Because things could be a whole lot easier, and you can still choose to make yourself miserable. Trust me, I've been there, done that well, before. No, I, I wasn't even <laughs> to the choice part yet. I'm still okay, in the keep going. people with a language that would say, money will make me happy. You you have to find that happiness for yourself. You have to choose that for yourself, because it is, it, it, it is a choice. You choose where... You choose in the emotions that you live. Yes. So... Anger has a right place, it has a right time, but don't get stuck and live there because then it's not healthy. Yep. Are you still listening to me? I am. The only thing is, is that I was looking for, I saved a TikTok and it appears that I saved a screen capture instead of the The actual actual video. Yeah. 
And that doesn't sound right. And I'm wondering if there's something going on with that or not. So let me go here. Oh yeah, so, okay. Now the thing is, is it's playing on on this computer, and but not it's not one. playing over here. And I'm just wondering if I can get this to do this. And it's, it's it appears that we're still going on, um, oh, goodness. It appears that we're still broadcasting out to, um, what's it called, Clubhouse? Clubhouse? Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. You're welcome. All right, so here it is, I, I, I found it. So here's here's number one. If you want to learn how to produce the happy and feel good emotions, there's dopamine, which is the reward chemical. All right. If you want, if you want to feel um, like you've accomplished something, go complete a task. Just do anything. Choose mm-hmm. to do something. Doesn't matter how big it is. You can get a dopamine hit simply by going and completing a task. Uh, do a self care activity. I mean, go and take a, a, a bath in some Epsom salt mm. um, or, you know, go shave <laughs> because sometimes I'm like, you know, I should probably go shave. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Write a gratitude list. Open up a journal. I like that. And write a couple of things that you're thankful for. Uh, think about something that you've experienced in the past year that you maybe didn't celebrate for long enough and celebrate some wins. Go find some music that you enjoy and sit down and listen to some music that you enjoy. That can, all of those things are things you can do to choose to release dopamine or the reward chemical into your body. The next one is serotonin. And serotonin is the mood stabilizer. Uh, Some things that you could choose to do that would make you feel good. Uh, Meditation, sitting, whether it's a guided meditation or sitting in silence. Sometimes it takes a little bit of getting used to meditation, but I really enjoy meditation myself. You can go for a run or some form of physical activity to get your um, heart beating and your starts breathing heavily. Go out, and of course, Stephanie's gonna cringe at this one, but if the sun is shining, go out and just get some sun exposure for 20 minutes. That will release serotonin into your body and stabilize your mood. Uh, Go for a walk in nature. Uh, Go out and listen to birds singing if the birds are singing out in the spring. Do deep breathing exercises. You can do this right where you're at right now, anywhere. Um, So anyway, that's serotonin. The next one is oxytocin. Uh, Play with a pet. This is something that I have definitely noticed. And anytime I sit with that little pup, we got Leo in our office here. He's kind of napping on the couch right now. But um, just holding a pet in your arms and just embracing that pet, it releases oxytocin, which is the love hormone. Hugging a loved one, holding hands with somebody that you love, giving a compliment to someone releases oxytocin and just doing anything whatsoever that is helpful to someone else. You could do all of those things and you could have oxytocin going through your body. And then there's endorphins, which is the painkiller. You could laugh out loud, all right? You could, again, do more exercising. You could, uh, it says eat dark chocolate. So there you go, Stephanie. Those are all things. But um, and of course, there are more that we can do to feel good uh, that even beyond that, there's a lot of things that could go on for us. So I just thought about that and I wanted to share it. Very what good. Do you think? Yes. All right. If you focus for a moment, you can always find some place in you that feels good is what 
he says. You that can, feels good right now. That feels good right now. Right now. Your task is to give the expanding positive feeling your full attention. This is the this is why many of us are feeling bad so often is what you focus on is what you feel. And we're focusing on all of the things that aren't that that, that maybe are missing in our lives. And we I or I sometimes, if I if I'm getting to a place where I'm not feeling good, I find that I'm I'm not taking enough time to really appreciate just how many things are going right in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm trying to think about the accuracy of this statement, but I'm going to say it out loud. It should be almost impossible to feel bad if you were to make a list of all of the things that are going right in your life, that are absolutely working on behalf of your benefit, making life awesome, making life wonderful, if it should be almost impossible to feel bad if you make an agreement that before I focus on anything that's missing in my life, I will first express gratitude for all of the things that are going right in my life. And seeing as how there is an an infinite number of things going right in your life, you'll never get to the place where you could actually fo- live up to the statement of giving thanks for each of those individual things. Right. So anyway, I, have you ever heard me talk about the fact that it's like that somebody will say, hey, Cliff, how are you doing? And I say, never get better. gets better every single day. I've never heard you say that. And some people challenge me on that. And there have been times where I'll say that where maybe that morning I received an email that had an undesirable, uh, unexpected, inconvenient circumstance that became aware to me, that I became aware of. And I didn't, wasn't feeling too good in just in that second. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. I'm, I'm not choosing to feel this way right here. This is, this is not right. It, that's, this is all going to work out. It's not that big of a deal. And so then I can say, you know, never been better. It gets better every minute of the day. And they're like, how is that possible? Don't you ever experience anything that doesn't go right? And I'm like, yeah, there's lots of things that, that don't go according to my expectation. There's a lot of things that I could choose to focus on and, and say, you know, this is bad, but. I I have a couple of beliefs. Number one, I believe that everything happens for my benefit. I believe everything ultimately works out in the end, one way or the other. So I I, I do lean towards that. But then I it's like, man, yeah, there are a couple of things that I could choose to be upset about. But I choose to first, you know, see if I can exhaust the things that I'm thankful for, and so I can at least put into perspective this inconvenient situation. I like to compare that in perspective to all that's going right. So I got up this morning and I realized that this, the earth is still rotating around the sun at precisely the exact distance necessary to where it did not go just a little further away from the sun so that I froze to death at night. And it didn't actually lean a little bit too close to the sun so that I actually burned to death in my sleep last night. That's pretty cool. And then when I woke up this morning, I, I, I realized I was still breathing. And there's oxygen in the air. And I had nothing to do with the earth spinning exactly the right axis. I had nothing to do with the trees out there turning carbon uh, dioxide over into oxygen for my behalf. And this is just the first two things. And it's like, and then I think about the fact that every single day, yesterday, how many bacteria 
and viruses did I actually come across on my hands and breathing in, and yet my body has this immune system that's fought off and, and, and is keeping me healthy. It's like, this is incredible, the stuff that's going on here. I, it's like I opened my eyes, and I have the gift of sight, and, and I, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for that. I have. I, mean, I had a roof over my head. I mean, I could just sit there forever on how many things that are going right. And I'm not saying that I won't ever focus on this situation that came up. It's just that when I when I'm like, okay, I think I've I've balanced my emotional state and realize I have I'm filled with gratitude. And yes, I now have I do desire to address or respond to this situation or situ- or circumstance that is very much something that I, I need to respond to. But now I'm doing it from a place of gratitude and an overwhelming sensation that, wow, life really is good, and this is just something that needs to be addressed. That's that's all I wanted to say about that. That's it. That's, that's it. it. That's I, all you got. I yeah. could I could go on for a little longer. Would you like me to? Um, no, I'm, I mean, if I got time for a nap, go ahead. <laughs> Do you you want to read the line in red, and I I'll take a drink of my know Bang where Energy the line drink? Line in red is Stephanie. Come on. The problem. I, no, no. Your your capacity I, expands in small increments each time you consciously let yourself enjoy. The money you already have. Um, then I must have accidentally hit my thing. That's Because I wasn't there. The right. love you already feel and the creativity you're already experiencing and expressing in the world. As the capacity for enjoyment expands, so does your financial abundance, the love you feel, and the creativity you express. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm still rereading it. All right. Hey, guess what we're to finally to the point of? The four different zones of work. Are we really? Yes. Okay, so we're skipping all of this? I where are you at in your notes? I look. Where if you just go all the way to the bottom. This is what you this is what you just read. Oh, I deleted a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I figured Well then don't make fun of me because I don't have up to date notes. I forgot. I forgot that I did not give you the up-to-date notes. I'm going to let you know that right now I'm really thinking about kicking you under the table, but my feet are comfortable, so I'm not going to. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. See, yet another thing for me to be incredibly thankful you for. You should. I am so thankful that my wife's <laughs> feet are so comfortable in such a position that she's not going to kick me under the table. Yes. I love it. Yes. Um. Okay. The four zones of activity. What's the first one, Stephanie? Uh, zone of incompetence. The zone of incompetence is made up of all of the activities we're not good at. Yeah. Yes. Others can do them a lot better than we can. And surprisingly, many successful people persist in wasting time and energy doing things for which they have no talent. Did it, Is this where he talked about the guy with the printer? You're asking me to remember something I read four weeks ago? Yes. Mm. I don't remember a guy with a... Yes. What was the story it, with it the It might printer? have been close. So, um, guy buys a printer, sets... It, like, takes it up, decides that he's not going to pay to have them set it up for him. He's going to... He can figure this out on his own. He's going to go home and he's going to... Um, 
he's going to figure it out. And 13 hours later, he still hasn't figured it out, ends up hiring a neighborhood kid to pay for it, to pay to to hook it up. And it cost him a hundred bucks to pay the neighborhood kid. But he actually lost like $1,300 because he makes a hundred dollars because he can make a hundred dollars an hour. So Yep. I, or I guess technically $1,400 because the 100 for the kid and the 1300 that he lost by not working. There you go. And having it done. Yeah. So um, it, that that's so very true, though. You're like, oh, I could do it. It's not a big deal. And then you waste so much time getting it done or trying to get it done, and then it doesn't, and you have to get somebody else to do it anyway. I am very much of the mentality I will pay for convenience. Okay. I, I mean, absolutely hands down. Now, as far as putting something um, structural to get, like like building a desk or a th- I enjoy those things. Those things I'm going to do on my own because they bring me pleasure and satisfaction. Well, and even that though, um, putting something like one of those Ikea pieces of furniture together. Oh my God, I love that. I know you do. But see, that is your zone of competence. I understand that. But is it because I get immense satisfaction and fulfillment from doing it? Okay. Well, it could be your zone of genius and maybe you should start a business. But what I'm saying is that... it's not that you're putting those things together is definitely not a zone of incompetence though. No, it's not. But, but I'm saying it's close to a zone of incompetence for me. It, it, it's clearly <laughs> it there. There's a whole lot of people who could put a piece of Ikea furniture together a whole lot quicker. And you faster bought a than lot of shelving for your closet over here that I put together because yeah. I, yeah. Um, it's not that I couldn't do it. It's no, but just I'm that, saying- it's just that it, it, it's like, I, I'm not good at this. I don't like doing this. I don't want to become good at this. And and so I want to spend as little time in my zone of incompetence, whether that's in work-related or any area of life. I'd just rather stay outside of my zone of incompetence unless it is a skill that I want to become, co- become competent in or even excellent in. There are, there are many things that I have done in my business that when I first did them, like my first web design or setting up a podcast, for example, I, I was totally incompetent the very first time I did a lot of different things, but I'm like, hey, I want to learn this and I'm going to become competent and then I'm going to move into excellence with this. And some of it actually is, is, is tapping into genius. So we're jumping ahead. But still, zone of incompetence is that stuff. It's where you get, in, you get involved and you're doing stuff in your day-to-day where, quite frankly, you have no business doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. There, what is funny? Nothing. There is one area where it's like, okay, where, where in the workplace – do people get involved in positions where they're working as a part of their job duties inside of their zone of incompetence? And there are two places I've seen this. 
One, I've experienced myself. When I've worked for a company that maybe did not have a very well-written and articulated job description, so I got hired to do something. But then while I'm there, they're like, hey, why don't you do this? And then they're like, hey, how about you do this? I think that had more to do with who hired you than no written okay job description and, and and i'm not just talking about the insurance office that that i once worked at for more than 12 years of my life there have been a number of places where i get hired and they're like hey can you do this hey can you figure out how to make this work and there were plenty of times when i was being paid to do something that i'm clearly not competent at and it's not something i have an interest in learning it's just like somebody needed to do it and i got assigned it so th- so it is possible for people to get stuck doing work in their zone of incompetence. Another place where I've seen this is um, somebody who, I've seen it a lot on IT teams, like internet technology teams. People come in and they have technical skills out the wazoo. Not necessarily the best people skills, but they have technical skills. Hey, Leo, it's okay. It's just James that's going to work. It's okay. We're gonna be be safe, I promise. So our teenager is going to work. So. Yeah, and she dropped something on the floor. Um, but anyway, so what happens is they get th- these IT people. They will get raises. You know, it's like, hey, you're doing a really great job, and we want to promote. We want to uh, give you a raise. We want to give you a raise. And finally, at some point, because of this, this. Uh, way the company is set up, it's like, okay, you are current. We've maxed out the amount that we can pay you based upon the position that you're in. That's just the way our corporate structure is set up. And you're do- you're still knocking it out of the park. We're we're blown away. And then what happens is they're like, hey, the- we want to pay you more. To do this too. So here's what, not do this too, but he- we want to promote you. We want to make you a manager. Oh. And okay. now all of a sudden, this is a person who sits with earbuds in doing coding work all day, every day, or whatever the case may be. They have no, uh, people skills aren't their thing, if you know what I mean. Not that they have I no people skills. Not that they have no <laughs> people skills, but it's just not their thing. And now all of a sudden, the only way for them to make more money in their position is for them to be promoted to manager. So now they're managing the team. And they're responsible for the quality of, of the output of the other members of the team and, and making sure people are, you know, all, you know, all, all that stuff. But now they have to lead meetings and they have to make, check in with other people. And, and, and that's just their, it's definitely their zone of incompetence. And somebody who is incredibly successful can get promoted into a zone of incompetence. So... Just wanted to put that out there. Zone of incompetence. Yep. All right. What is the zone of competence, Stephanie? Um, you're competent at the activities. You're competent at the activities in the zone of competence, but others can do them just as well. This is, you know, McDonald's. You know, I, I worked at McDonald's. You worked at McDonald's. I did. I was pretty good at flipping burgers. Okay. I, I mean, I I could flip burgers pretty darn good. I, I mean, it, it's like, but pretty much most everyone that I worked with could w- flip those burgers as equally as efficient as I could. Now, the problem with zone of competence, working inside of our zone of competence, 
it doesn't necessarily set us up for great financial reward. Because if we ever get to the place where, let's just say, I have been working at a company for the last three years, and I've I've basically perfected the technique of what this job requires, and I am incredibly competent at it. And and the reality is anybody who is here for about six months or more is going to be able to establish the same level of competence. This doesn't this is not rocket science that we got going on here. But if I've been here for three years and people who have been here for six months are just as competent in doing this job, if I have actually been getting a pay raise after pay raise after pay raise, eventually I'm getting paid maybe 30% more than all the other people who are just coming on board and they're just as good at doing my job, It there might be incentive for me to not have to stick around there anymore. I might get let go or moved out or to do something else. And so if you're easily replaceable, and this is not just in the employment place, but certainly if you're a contracted worker, if you're self-employed, if you're out there doing work that you're competent at, and I saw this in the early days when I was doing podcast answer man coaching and consulting, there were a lot of people who said, Cliff, I also want to leave my soul-sucking day job, and I want to create my own business. And I'm like, really? Tell me what you want to do. And there were probably at least 50 different people who were going to create WordPress web design businesses. And I'm like, wow, show me, show me some of your work. Let me see what you've done. And all they did was they went to a hosting account, set it up, clicked three buttons, and filled out a little detail for the client. And then, boom, the WordPress website was up. And it was the default theme. There was no customization. There was nothing. I mean, anybody... Any, I could, I could have taught McKenna, who was in first grade at the time, I could have taught her how to do that, and she would be just as competent at being a WordPress website designer as this person, and yet this person's going to go out and create a business around it. That's not to say you can't, but how much money you're going to earn from that, and when people figure out that your skill set is limited and there's a lot of other people who can do it as just as good as you and, and maybe even better, um, it, it's not a great place for you to sit in the, the activities of your workday. Then we move to zone of excellence. What's zone of excellence, Stephanie? I feel like I need my game show voice in the zone of excellence. No. In the zone of excellence are the activities you do extremely well. Um, you make a good living in your zone of excellence. For successful people, this zone is a seductive and even dangerous trap. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. To remind Stephanie has got the sneezes here. Spring in the Ohio Valley. There you go. Excuse me. Um, to remain in this zone is to hobble yourself from taking the leap into your zone of genius. The temptation is strong to remain in the zone of excellence. It's where your own addiction to comfort wants you to stay. It's also where your family, friends, and organization wants you to stay. I think that that's a pompous statement to say. 
you can't put words and feelings in other people's mouths. Anyway, um, you're reliable there and you provide a steady supply of all the things that family, friends, and organizations thrive on. The problem is that a deep, sacred part of you will wither and die if you stay inside your zone of excellence. Let's get dark here. <laughs> uh, there is only one place where you will ultimately thrive and feel satisfied, and that's the zone of genius. All right. So let's break this Again, down. Again, can you not choose to feel good and be happy? In your like it, in your I, zone of excellence. In your zone of excellence, I feel like the book kind of contradicts itself. Well, that that's a good that's a good dialogue to have. I mean, it, it's it's not like we have to agree with everything Gay Hendricks says in his book. I know. I, I'm so. It, it, I mean, not that's aware. why we're having this discussion just to sit and talk about what do we think about this. And I, I'd love to dig deeper into your your triggered response about his pompous <laughs> statement. <laughs> But uh, I mean, if if I were to defend what I think I hear Gay Hendricks saying with uh, your, uh, let's see here, it's where your there it is. You're reliable there. Uh, you provide a steady stream supply of all the things that family, friends, and organizations organizations thrive on. So what happens here is I can tell you right now, he's what he's doing here is he's speaking from helping the experience of helping hundreds of people, uh, hundreds of people one-on-one discover what their zone of genius is and then move into experiencing their zone of genius at least 70 per- 70% of their work day. That his, that's his mission is to help people mm-hmm. through that, to transition into that. And for some of those people, it means leaving the corporate job and starting your own business doing something. So that's a lot of things that are going on there. And even you and I know people who like they have a they know what they want to do. They have validated that they could get paid for it. They've started a business. It's already kicked off and and stuff like this. But they've been at this day job for the last 20 years of their life. And if they stay there, if they would just stay there for another five years, they will get their full pension, their full retirement, their full benefits. And if you could just suck it up and work 80 hours a week for the next five years, then then we've got it made in the shade. Why can't you just sit there and eke out your existence for five more years? There, there are family members who say that. I, there, there are in-laws who say this. There are spouses who say this. It's like, listen... What are you talking about? You're going to give this up. This is this is health insurance for the rest of our life. This is a it, it's three hundred thousand dollar pension or whatever this case may be. It's like so there are people who would no, prefer. I and I totally understand that, but I'm triggered by generalizations and to put everyone in one. I don't know, but but I understand for the point of writing a book, you have to generalized but i read this is where your he you're okay i agree with that statement i if we were to rewrite this for gay hendrix we might suggest hey this is where many family members and friends and organizations want you to stay rather than this is where your family friends and organizations i okay i understand where you're yeah it's the knowing how you feel about generalizations and the fact that says this is how your family is going to be 
he could have he could have avoided triggering Stephanie. Well, it's not his it's not his place to avoid triggering me. <laughs> I admitted the trigger. I addressed the trigger, and guess what? I've moved on. <laughs> I know you have. I haven't. I, I, I just, but, so, but this is it, true. That, that it, it, but there, it's if he. he I think. I think if I were him, I would probably change that. This is. This is also where many family members, friends, and organizations want you to stay. Yeah. I, and regardless it, it, of whether or not it means that you're going to a little bit of your soul is going to die on a daily basis. This is where some family matter. Members, we got the health insurance to come health insurance. Just five more years, buddy. Five more years. Uh, I, just, I, I understand. I understand it. I understand I that you're going to have you're going to have ulcers over the next five years that are going to eat up the lining of your stomach. And, and chances are you'll be in a wheelchair. But in five years, we'll have that health insurance. Oh, good grief. Um, <laughs> the golden handcuffs is a real thing. They, they are. They, they are. I understand. I do. So anyway. Anyway, the zone of excellence. And I just go back. This is something that you do incredibly well. And in fact, what really distinguishes this is you kind of do it better than than a lot of other people. It may not be you may not be the best of the best. You could be. But you certainly stand out among the crowd. Now, this is where it's like, OK, I, there, and, and by the way, I've, I've had some people. You, um, what was his name? Anthony Tran. Remember him and his wife on the cruise to Mexico with the podcast community? Uh, we went, we laid on the beach under the cabana. Yep. Anthony Tran and his I wife. I fell asleep. I got a nice sunburn on part of me because the sun shifted in the cabana while yep. I was sleeping. Well, he happened to be one of my podcasting A to Z students, and he actually launched a, Word, a WordPress web design business. But it was not his zone of competence. It was his zone of excellence. It, it, it could even be considered zone of genius. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't know. I haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, whether or not that kind of work made him come alive, but he would sit down and it would be like this most beautiful design. I mean, it's just like this is a WordPress website. Yeah, yeah. And and he was a designer first, and then he knew enough how to get in and and hand code the back end. He could literally change the PHP programming code to get that WordPress website to mirror what he had imagined and designed in Photoshop. Mm -hmm. That was his zone, certainly a zone of excellence for him, maybe even genius. But um, so when you get that good, then all of a sudden people will pay you more. And I love what Gay Hendricks says here is that, where, what's the, for, mo, for successful people, this zone is seductive because it does produce re reproducible financial results. Uh, you, you can make a lot of money inside of your zone of excellence. Um, and he says it can be, it can be, uh, this zone, actually it says this is, so here he is, uh, this zone is, a, is seductive and, and is even a dangerous trap. I, I don't know. I, I think there might be some people out there who, quite frankly, are, are very happy to work inside of their zone of excellence. And, and I think that they don't even know what their zone of genius is, or even if they have a belief that their zone of genius is something that is, is available to them, that they've ever heard of it. I think, though, I think what Gay Hendricks is saying with this book is that everybody has a zone of genius. And... I'm inclined to lean in that 
way as well. I, I, I'm inclined to say I believe there's something we all are uniquely qualified and gifted and, and built to do in this world. And it may or may not have anything to do with what's expected of us from others. And I, I and, and again, I, I feel like I say this every week is is that I'm coming at it from a different life stage. I'm coming at it from a different perspective. Clearly, this this book is written for people who are actively in the workforce, who are, you know, looking to make more money or grow more money or work in something that's more passionate. What you are truly called to do in this world could be completely different than what you do to make money. This is true as well. Yes. You could have a job where you are very incredibly profitable inside of a zone of excellence. Maybe that very profitable profitable job inside your zone of excellence provides the funds for you to do your zone of genius, for you to do what you are truly called to do in this world. So I, I and again, maybe that's, that's just the generalization that, that this book is for people, you know, um, this book kind of puts everybody in one big group. Well, it's it, it, yeah, it certainly it it certainly seems to be geared towards helping people understand their career path. That's, yeah, that's for sure. It's in that genre and speaks to that audience. It but, is, but I'm I'm on board with you, and and I agree. I think there are there are some people. It's like, listen, you know, I'm I'm happy to do this job. My I don't need to find fulfillment in my day job. I don't need to come alive in my. Day. I, I I like the fact that I'm excellent at what I do. There's there's nobody else in the company that can do what I do the way that I do it, and I'm incredibly financially rewarded and I'm not working 80 hours a week I'm I'm working 40 45 hours a week but boy I'll tell you what if you were to ask me what my zone of genius is it is this and maybe that's a nonprofit organization that they start and they operate you know 10 15 hours a week of their time volunteering and managing a team of people that mm-hmm. that d- does something and they contribute their own finances towards it and stuff so I'm with you on that yeah I, I just I don't I don't I don't believe that your zone of genius has to be what makes you money. Yeah, I don't think it has to either. Although, so, but I so far, that. I'm not seeing, in chapter one, I don't think that phrase has been said. And it's been a couple years since I've read The Big Leap. So, um, Well, I mean, didn't he say it when he talked about the, the other two guys? Maybe he did. He, he, well, he said for them, Michael Dell certainly couldn't do this. And that eBay guy couldn't do this. And hopefully you wouldn't. As, Dr. You, Jordan, wasn't it Dr. Yeah, Jordan? Yeah, Dr. Jordan. So and, and he does say, and yeah. hopefully you won't stay in your comfort zone right. of your zone of excellence so, either. So maybe you're right. So it, it's just it's just a tone that, it's just an underlining tone that I feel, Yeah. even through chapter one, that your zone of genius has to be what makes you money, and I don't believe that. Hmm. It, I, look, we'll continue. I want to. I want to continue to press into that. I, I, okay. I, I, I'm. I'm hearing your. I'm hearing what you're saying. Because for me, I read this book and I'm, I'm like, I met almost no resistance, other to the idea originally which that you could be happy that I could be that I could be happy all the time. Uh, that's where I felt the resistance. But once I got over that, th- then everything in this book just resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And what I love is it's there's there's some dissonance. There's there's some. It, it, not everything's resonating with you 
the way that it just like, ha, ah, this is awesome. And Stephanie's like, uh, not everything's awesome in this book. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, and I'm glad, you know, that's, that's why I love that we're having this dialogue to, mm-hmm. to go through some of this. All right. All right. Hold Zone on. of genius. I feel like we need a drum roll. The problem is that I want to go back to that one statement. The problem is that a deep sacred part of you will wither and die. If you It's stay. not just going to okay. die. It will definitely wither first. <laughs> it will wither if you stay inside of your zone. Of, okay, so maybe he is making a I case. mean, he's That's pretty that's a pretty yeah. bold statement. Well, here's the thing. It's such a bold statement that you put it in red. Yeah, it is. Well, here's what I would say about this is that um, when he took his notes for for those, yes, we're following the notes. The notes like, are black, blue, and red. And um, the the so. I think I'm not saying that zone of genius. There, there, we we'll get further into the book, but I think he he's saying that there is a sacred part of you, even if you're in a day job that you like. And you're spending most of your time inside of your zone of excellence, and you're being rewarded financially for it. You you would still do yourself a service, a, a, a disservice, if you don't actually do the work to discover what is your zone of genius, and make a point to try to find a way to to have that outlet, to have that outlet for your zone of genius, mm-hmm. and even finding ways that you can incorporate that zone of genius in the work that you do. Because we spend so much time at work, it, it it is so much of a portion of our life that it makes sense for you to do that sacred zone of genius, purpose, mission, vision stuff that there are unique ways. I had a client. We discovered what... Just the one. <laughs> yeah. I had a client who hired me uh, back when I first offered non-podcast coaching business. Okay. Right? When I said, hey, I'm going to do... Life and business mentoring. If anybody wants to hire me, you can hire me. It was $3,500 for six months at the time. This very first coaching package outside of podcasting that I did. And I had an attorney hire me. And he says, Cliff, I know what my zone of genius is. He says, I read the big leap and I want to make a I want to make a radical shift. I just don't know if it's possible, but I'd, I'd like to dialogue with you if it's possible for me to do my zone of genius. And I said, what's your zone of genius? And it says, my zone of genius is coaching youth football. And so I want to find a way to leave my career as a lawyer and I want to I coach youth football. And I want to know, is it possible for me to replace all of my income? And he goes, by the way, I make $800,000 a year. Who did you just tell this story to? I don't know. Why? You've just recently told this story. Okay. And I'm trying to think, was it on this podcast or was it outside in in our real life? (laughs) (laughs) Do do we have an outside real life? Do we have a real life out of this podcast? Um, Yeah. uh, Well, yeah, that's what we bring to this podcast is the real life that we live outside of it. Um. It's an extension of our real life. Without our real life, it wouldn't be here. Okay, fair enough. So you just told this story, and I'm trying to think of where we went or who you would have been talking to. I don't know. 
But anyway, continue the story, and so, it may have been that you told it twice. Go ahead. That, that's fine. It's it's worth repeating. So this guy makes eight hundred thousand dollars a year, and I sit down and and said, you know, well, let's talk about what your zone of genius. He goes, Cliff, I know what my zone of genius is, and I said, well, I know what you told me your zone of genius is. You said your zone of genius is coaching youth football, but I'm I'm not satisfied that that's your zone of genius. I think coaching youth football is definitely something that you have dis- you have uh, you experience your zone of genius more consistently than what you see in your legal profession. So there are some questions that we'll get to in further chapters of this book that help you to get even more clarity about what your zone of genius is. His zone of genius wasn't coaching youth football. His zone of genius was helping people understand life lessons and to shift the way that they see the world and to learn how to use self-discipline. I mean, there was a, there, his zone of genius was basically coaching, and he loved the outlet, the outlet that most enabled him to use his zone of genius naturally as a flow of his, his work was when he was coaching youth football. And I sat there and I said, how about if we understand that this coaching is your zone of genius, is there a way that you can bring your coaching, your zone of genius, and transform how you feel about your 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 lawyer work, your attorney work? And he goes, that that wouldn't work in my field. And I'm like, well, what if it did work? What would it look like? And and I really pressed him, and I said, have you ever thought about seeing your clients as somebody that you can? have a transformative conversation with that you can you can serve them beyond the billable hours he began to implement that uh, over the course of one month in between our first call and our second call and our second call he said cliff i'm not leaving my my job as a lawyer this is incredible i've had like the most amazing in-depth conversations with people um outside of billable hours i'm sitting there building it's like this is incredible i I am literally experiencing my zone of genius that what i feel when i coach youth football is what i'm feeling now and the the fast forward end of that story is he ended up leaving his position that he was in he found another law firm that would allow him to have three months a year off. Now, he was only going to work nine months out of the year for this law firm, and he negotiated an $800,000 salary. So he's making exactly the same amount of money he was making before. He's only working in the attorney role for nine months out of the year. He's loving those nine months because he is coaching his clients and, and he has three months off every year to coach youth football for free. I feel like that is a combination of what the two of us are saying. Yes. but, but Because it, when he came in mm-hmm. to your coaching, he believed that his zone of genius was coaching youth football because that was the outlet that he had found that made him feel that alive. That made him feel alive. You helped him see that he could take what made him feel alive and use it in his day job. His day job. And so I feel like that, that that is a combination of what the two of us are saying. Yes. Whereas I feel like the book says he would have had to find something completely different. 
And, and I and I see your perception of that being what the book says. And as I'm looking or at or finding of, a way to make eight hundred thousand dollars a year coaching youth football. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, and, which by the way, I we 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 brainstormed. I mean, yeah. that's like here's here's. I mean, if if we just think creatively outside of the box, are there ways that you could make? An, and I think you probably could. I, I, I matter of fact, I think anything you put your mind to, you could make a reality. Right. Uh, it, it may take a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get it off the ground, but I think just about anything is possible when you put your heart to it. But it, it was clear that that's not what he wanted to do. What he wanted to do is actually experience that aliveness. All the time. A, a more, exactly, mm-hmm, right? an increasing amount. He wanted amount. to be happy and feel good all of the time. Yes. Not only three months of the year. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Zone of G- G- Check this out. I only have two more notes left. We got four minutes. Let's go. Is, oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Zone of Genius. Your zone of genius is the set of activities that you are uniquely suited to do. They draw upon your special gifts and strengths. By age 40, many of us have tur- tuned out the call to genius and are... Let's see here. Oh, and we're getting loud, repeated alarms hidden in the form of depression, illness, injuries, and relationship conflict. These alarms are reminding us to spend more time feeding our natural genius and uh, letting it do its magic in the world. And this is exactly what I see all the time when people hire me as their coach they're like cliff i've got to figure out something you know i've people are coming to me they're 45 55 years old and they're like listen i have put in so many years and financially successful you know in in many cases not on all but financially successful you know i've done this i've put my kids through college and all this other stuff and i gotta just tell you I, I'm sitting here starting to, I, I guess it's maybe a midlife crisis, but I'm ask, starting to ask myself, what's this all for? I, I don't know that I could spend the next five years doing what I'm doing now. And and I don't know what problem is, I, but I'm experiencing uh, health concerns. I'm experiencing mental concerns. I, I I need help. And oftentimes it is the fact that they have they have completely lost touch with any dreams that they've ever had from the time that they were a kid. And one of my favorite things that I've learned from Rich Litfin is the question is, hey, when you were, just choose any time when you were happy as a kid, what's something that you really enjoyed doing? What's something you really enjoyed playing or that, that just fancied your interest or whatever? And it's amazing how many times people, it takes them a long time to even remember being happy as a kid. But that, but there's something there and, and helping people explore that and finding out, it's like, oh, yeah. And when I, when I read this book, it, it helped me understand. It's, it's always easier to connect the dots backwards. But my zone of genius is using my voice to entertain, educate, encourage, and inspire others. That can be through podcast content. It can be me speaking on a stage. And my favorite place to do it is is teaching and or one on, teaching a small group or a large group. Or my favorite is using my voice in a one-on-one conversation with another human being. Helping them shift the way they see the world, think about the world and what's possible 
breaking free from any thought pattern, emotional pattern, uh, behavioral pattern, or belief system that's keeping them from experiencing whatever it is that they desire or were created to experience in this world. That is my zone of genius. Now, I did not know that until after I read The Big Leap. But once I actually discovered that's my zone of genius, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been doing since I was a kid. I go back to, I'll never forget how many times it's like, you know, my Mr. Microphone days, my CB radio days, my all the stuff that I used to do. It, I, I always loved using my voice and my message to to impact other people's lives. It's, it's like, this has been a thread since my earliest childhood. And that's, that, I, I don't know that that's the case for everyone, but if you get into your zone of genius, I think you'll find that, that the seed of that was planted maybe well before you could possibly imagine. Any thoughts on that, Stephanie? Um, I think my zone of genius was created as a child, but in an opposite way. Okay. In that my zone of genius is creating and fostering a safe, comfortable, welcoming place for people to come experience freedom. Freedom to be themselves, freedom to break free from expectations of others and um, break cycles that have plagued generations of your family. Um, I create safe, welcoming, and comfortable spaces for Cliff to use his zone of genius and to let his voice resonate. And to so, um, but that came from being a child and not having a safe place. Yeah. So I, that, that, anyway, so yeah. mine came from the opposite. Have mine you ever, came from a desire to find something that I never had and create that for others. Have you ever, you and I have talked about this and, and this gets a little a bit of the metaphysical side of things of some of the things that I've studied, but do you remember me bringing up this idea of soul contracts? The idea of the soul being eternal, meaning that, you know, we're not just born as a human yes. and then our soul lives on for eternity. Yeah. Um, but the idea that our soul is eternal. And of course, you'd have to have some beliefs that might go against some of your long held beliefs about reincarnation and stuff like that and the journey of a soul. But uh, the the idea of a soul contract is in there. And and I, I, I might lean towards this belief. Um is that we as a soul chose to come here in this era. We, we chose to enter into this physical life form in, the, in, this, in this realm, in this time. And that when we came, we knew what we would be signing up for. So the idea is like, listen, I want, I, I'm, I want to go into the world and I want to be a part of helping people break free from the conditioned beliefs and patterns that are holding them back. To do that, you have to have things to break free from. Or, yeah, because the idea is that the, 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 along, the people who have beliefs about soul contracts, and I say I lean towards this. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm just I exploring this. I'm not teaching this as truth. I'm just saying this is what I've been exposed to, and I, and I, I lean towards this. I, I, at least I have an this open mind This is the feeling that I got from the Disney movie Soul. Yeah, well, that movie that, is built on this. Bi- yeah. Yeah, so the and the same people who believe and teach this idea of soul contracts say that when you when a soul does enter the body, 
uh, into human form, it it forgets its source. And so the the whole process is that, well, when you come into the body, you're going to forget that you are a soul, that you are spirit. And so therefore, they'll, you're, you're going to need to actually go through some experiences to awaken you to your purpose. And so if that is accurate, then that might be what happens. I'm just saying that might be what happens. You no. may have come to this world and say, listen, I understand I'm going to have to go through some pretty traumatic experiences as right. a child to awaken me to my purpose, my mission that will set me into the world without maybe consciously being aware of it for a majority of my life. But it was, this will be the catalyst that will open me towards this path that I came here to do. Right. Right. I mean, I, I completely understand what you say and how you, and how you explain that. But there is still one thing that, that, um, one phrase that you say that I haven't quite reconciled. Okay. And that is you say that everything happens for me. For my benefit. For my benefit. And I, I just can't quite catch on to that. So I get what you mean with the soul contracts and, and I can understand that people believe that, but there is still a part of me and the conditioned beliefs that I have, you know, have um, or have had that I'm still reconciling and coming to terms with that says that there is evil in the world and there are things that happened to me that I have made to work for my benefit. But when they happened, they weren't happening for me. So it's kind it's still kind of, I've, I've, I've healed. I have dealt with my trauma. I have broken free from from it holding um, a power over me. But at the time, did it happen for my benefit? And the answer is yes. I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. does, that, does that make sense? It makes because perfect I can sense. understand, like forty three year old Stephanie. I am 43, right? Can sit here and 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 tell you I am I am free. I've done the work. I've put in the time. And I am whole as I am. And I am there because of the things that have happened in my life. But there's still a part of the little girl inside that says, I don't like the way that those words sound. Mm -hmm. That happened to me, not for me or for my benefit. I, does it, does, do, so reconciling the child within me with the woman I am now to believe and accept the same things yeah. are where I sit today. And 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 this this is the very this is just occurring to me because I've been working with as you know and, and but I'll share it here I've been working with a spiritual coach um, over this past couple months and I had been introduced to this idea of of healing the the trauma of of you know the inner child work is what they call this and what you're exposing there is is the you know it's like hmm, there there there. I, I, what I'm hearing, this is what I'm hearing is I'm hearing that you're saying is like, listen, I have healed from so much, but I haven't yet come to reconcile 
this statement with th- with my inner my inner child doesn't want to accept that and and there that's that's perfectly fine that's that just is what that is but i f- from where I, I sit and what i've been reading and with my the open mind that i have is i i believe it's possible for the inner child to actually be healed as well and not that it's not healed i, I don't want to say that but I, I believe re- the reconciliation that you're speaking of that's not currently there between the two, I think it's possible. Oh, I, I, I know that it's possible. And I can tell you that that the problem today is in the language. Yeah. So it, it is finding the right sentence and then I'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> It's, I didn't. It's I, the language. I, I know. And, and, and this is, well, you know what? I'm just going to stop concerning myself with what I say anymore because I, I can't. Oh, high five. Um, but <laughs> I don't, I'm so proud this, of you. This is, not to, this is not to be the metaphysical hour. Uh, but Stephanie, yeah. there is this book uh, series that I was reading when I first started this, this new season of my life uh, on my spiritual journey. It's called Conversations with God. Do you remember me mm-hmm. telling you about this? I listened to some of it. And uh, the I think it was the end of the third book. Uh, there is a dialogue that I think I want to pull out for you. And there is, and it's and it's a dialogue between two souls that says, "Hey, they had been through very many different various incarnations." And it's like, "Oh my gosh, we're back here!" And it's like you know, in the in the mm-hmm. ethereal space, and so let's do it again. And it's like, okay, but this time I'm going to do this, and it's one soul speaking to another soul, and it's like, but you have to remember, you you agreed, you've asked me to do this thing and it's in 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 it and in your heart and in your mind it's going to be the most and it goes it goes against everything that is like ah there's no way but what i just said is that even making sense any sense to you at all can can you kind of insinuate or or can you imagine what this dialogue might be based on what i've just shared i think so so it's it's like basically the the person who has perpetrated this heinous thing was asked what it, by it, it was an soul, agree, it was an agreement, was an agreement between two souls <laughs> prior just, to this and 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 I, and again i'm not saying mike remind me to say something to you i am i want everyone who's hearing our voice in the in clubhouse and also in this podcast i am not preaching these things as truth right i am saying these are things that i've read and that i'm being exposed to and these are things that i'm keeping an open mind about okay there are some things that i do not bring to the podcast to protect the innocent god no but to to protect the identity of others okay okay um so remind me to say something off mic to you in the hold on i'm just gonna write soul to soul here soul to soul got it all right um although that was also the title of the faith hill and tim mcgraw um tour that we saw twice which was fantastic that was fantastic (laughs) all right so last statement here this book shows you how to establish yourself in your zone of genius beginning with a modest investment of 10 minutes a day and culminating in spending upwards of 70% of your time expressing your true genius in the world. Yes, I believe that this book, that, that the beginning with a modest investment of 10 minutes a day should be the definition of 
how long it would take to read each chapter a day. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> All right, so going to the chat room here, Cindy Lou's got a couple <laughs> things that she says here. Does Zone of Gen- Zone of Excellence and Zone of Genius have value because of the amount of time you spend in that zone? So uh, I'm going to answer that question based upon my experience here. And the answer is uh, the Zone of Excellence would very much have a, a, a lot to do with how much time you spend in it. Uh, so Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book. I can't remember. It might have been Tipping Point or it might have been the other one. I can't remember the name of. But he talked about the 10,000-hour rule. And he says that pretty much anybody can become this expert, you know, known for this thing if they would just put 10,000 hours worth of practice. By the way, I recently heard that um, Malcolm Gladwell kind of borrowed that principle from a a Buddhist principle, which says that anyone can become an can become an expert in anything and master anything by making ten thousand mistakes, not investing ten thousand hours. Just heard that in a podcast recently, but um, but yes, zone of excellence. How how you actually get to the place? You, you invest more time in it than anything else because you did you definitely. Are you enjoy it. It, it? It's something that you're good at and you're naturally inclined towards or it's something you've chosen to to proceed in. So you're definitely going to build an air, a, your zone of excellence in things that you invest more time in. Um, zone of genius may or may not actually be profitable because of the amount of time spent, but it is a, it is a more of a sacred, uh, spiritual essence of what you were put on this or came to to this earth to do in this world, and so th- what I'm what I'm sensing inside internally is that the zone of genius is profitable not because of how many hours you've spent doing it. It's just it it's unleashing the full potential of the alignment with who you are as body, mind, and soul. It's kind of like just being in alignment. And this is something that I've noticed because the things that I've been doing since I read The Big Leap, and when I read The Big Leap, I shut down 100% of all income streams in my business, 100% of all income streams. And within a very short period of time, relatively, within a year, I had pretty much replaced all of that income, working a fraction of the amount of time. And it's not because I had years of experience doing these new things. It it just I was living in alignment. I was it's like, oh wow, this I was built for this. This this work seems effortless, and this work is life giving. The more I do it, the more energy I have. And so, hopefully, that answers your question, Cindy Lou. I think excellence is something that that is profitable because of the amount of hours put into it. But zone of genius can be you more profitable because you have lots of hours and you and the more time you spend the the more profitable it will likely become but there's there's something more about just that living in alignment with your true identity that just makes things freaking fall into place it, it and yeah all right next is she says yes when we find something that makes us feel alive we can continue the activity with the feeling and think it's the job that makes us happy fair yeah i I like that. And then uh, lastly, she said 17 minutes ago, she says, in reality, it is the feeling that we are seeking for 
And many times there are different activities that will generate the same feeling. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hands down, awesome stuff. So, Stephanie. Yep. We have just completed our very first recording, <laughs> but our fifth episode of a brand new podcast called Building a Life and Business Together. Perfect. And I just want to say for the record, part four is the final part of chapter one's coverage really of The Big is. Leap. It really is. That's fun. Look, there's nothing past there. Uh, there's no more notes. Now, I can close that note now. Do you know what we're going to have to do next week? What? Read chapter two. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much. We're going to wrap up this episode, of course. Um, oh, we should probably make an announcement. If you are listening to this podcast and you and your significant other have a business that you are building together, you are interested in building a life and business together, Stephanie and I actually have, and by the time this goes out, no, actually, we're recording this on yeah, no, we, April 20th. Yeah. So in two weeks from now, in the first week of May, we're launching a brand new mastermind group. It's a paid mastermind group for entrepreneurial couples. We meet together once a week. What's, okay, I, what's that look on your face? The look is the way you just described it. Okay. And what we had talked about was one partner was an entrepreneur. Like, no, if you're both entrepreneurs, you're building the same business, come on, you're welcome. We got that. That's what we're doing. Yeah. But if you're married to an entrepreneur or your your spouse is an entrepreneur. Your significant other does not have to be working in the business with you. And and I just felt like you you Uh, kind of misled there. Well, and the thing is, is we so far we have one couple that has joined and we start the first week in May. Yes. And when I started the Next Level Mastermind, it was it's like, listen, this is for full-time self-employed business owners only <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. And, and, and it kind of evolved over time. And yeah. so, you know, the who this group is for and, and stuff like that will, you know, we'll, yeah, it, it, we'll see who is attracted to it. Right. But entrepreneurial couples is, is the focus. We're going to be talking about life and business. All right. We are. But here's the thing. I feel like... This isn't video, but here I'm going to point to myself and say life, and I'm going to point to Cliff and say business, and I feel like that <laughs> oh, is you. Cliff has no is, life. Is, All no. he has is business. I'm I'm saying like if we only talk business, you're going to lose me quick. Oh yeah, yeah. Because that, I have a small role in my mind in our business like yeah like, how are you how am i going to show up so every week how, and be interested in this meeting if all we do is talk about business stuff exactly i get exactly. that exactly yeah because 98.6 percent of my life happens outside of this office yeah yeah. yeah. So, well, this, so that that that's what that's what you know. If everybody's an entrepreneur and we're only talking about business, I'm out. <laughs> like, and, then, and then that defeats the whole purpose. All right. Fair and enough. it was my idea. <laughs> I started he's, this he's, thing. He's managed to, to censor me again. <laughs> well, here's here's we use what we call the MSU business model. We just make it up. And, and and the MSU business model here is called making stuff up. I got that from Rich Glutfin as well, and he doesn't use the word S for or stuff for S. But anyway, you get neither the idea. do I. I know, but I'm I'm keeping the show family friendly here. But why it's not family from the heart anymore? I, <laughs> you do whatever the hell we want. Thanks, Stephanie. <laughs> 
Ah, anyway. You're welcome. (laughs) I love you. Uh, Me too. If you're interested, I don't have a sales page for this thing yet. Just email me, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. Put couples mastermind group in the in the title or in the subject line, and uh, we'll shoot you some information. Stephanie, I think that because our show is building a life and business together, um, what do you think the sign off? What do you think about the sign off? Go create the life that you desire, or something like that. That's too many. That, yeah, I don't that's know. Much. We'll work on it. <laughs> we'll, we'll just. Well, it needs work. How about we just say bye for now? <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. What? Yeah, I don't know. And the, 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 just that. Until next time. Until next time. We're working on it. Should I play under, my little un, under construction? Under construction. <laughs> Work in to, progress. <laughs> and to be announced. Uh.